Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. I want to talk to you this morning about finding purpose in the everyday, finding purpose in the everyday. We're in John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles with us or your phones, um, we're going to read from John chapter 6, verses 25 to 35. Jesus, the bread of life. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, very truly, I tell you, you are looking at me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I wonder if you have ever massively overestimated anything. Um, I'm a bit of a dreamer, and so this happens to me quite often. I sometimes overreach with, with stuff. And the, one of my most um, biggest ones of these, according to my wife, was when a friend of mine and myself thought it would be a really great idea to enter um, a 125-mile kayak race um, with no prior experience of, of kayaking or anything. So we bought the kayak, we took it down to a fairly grotty um, a canal in Birmingham. Um, extra teaching point from today wear shoes when you go into a grotty canal in Birmingham. I was bare feet. It was gross. Don't do that. Um, And this, as you will see on the screen, is what happened when we tried to actually paddle a racing kayak, which turns out are less buoyant than a normal kayak for the first time. (laughs) And it carries on like this for the whole hour that we were there. And we got about 12 metres, I think, was the furthest that we got in one go before falling in. Um, sort of suffice it to say, we didn't end up doing um, the race as planned. Um, it was, to put it mildly, very, diff- very different to what we had initially hoped. And this is a similar feeling to the crowd of followers that Jesus is talking to in this passage must have felt. Um, so if we zoom out and we look at this whole chapter of John 6 um, as, as one, we see that there is, this, there is this narrative arc going on and the Jesus that we meet at the start of John chapter 6 is on this massive ascendancy. Um, he is doing the, whatever the ancient Near East version of going viral is at that moment. He's just gathering more and more followers to him. Um, he's doing these amazing miracles and more and more people are coming to him to find out what's going on. And this sort of crescendos at the the start of chapter six with the feeding of the 5,000. So it's 5,000 men. Um, so it's probably like 15,000 people all get fed by one small boy's packed lunch. Um, and so there's this amazing sense of like, this guy is amazing. We want to follow him anywhere. Um, and it says at the start of this chapter, not from our reading, but just before in verse 14, 
It says this, and the people saw the signs Jesus performed. They began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So people are so convinced with Jesus's awesomeness. They want to make him their king, whether he likes it or not. They're so sure that he is the Messiah that God has sent because of the things they've seen him do. They want to crown him, even if he doesn't want to be. But the interesting thing is by the end of this chapter, all of those people, apart from the 12, will have gone. All of those people will have said, actually, he's not who we thought he was. He's not who, he, he, he's not who we thought he was. And in verse 67, Jesus says to disciples, basically, do you want to leave as well? Because everybody else has gone. The interesting thing is that the, um, the, the narrative, the teaching point that gets us from that, from that everybody thinks Jesus is great to so only 12 is left is this teaching that we're talking through today. This I am the bread of life teaching. And so there must be something in here that we have to learn about who Jesus is that was so profoundly challenging to the people then. And what can we learn from that today? And I think there are um, sort of two things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about bread and I want to talk about life. Not surprisingly, it seems to make sense. Um, so firstly, bread. Verse 34 of our passage says, Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. So we've got a bit of an example bread here. This is, this is Waitrose Finest um, from down the road. Um, extortionately expensive, it turns out. Sourdough. What more could you want in South Kensington? And I wonder what you think about bread. What does, what does bread make you, make, make you feel? Maybe you're like a massive sandwich person or, or like my wife, the day hasn't started until you have got a slice of bread, put it in the toaster and then put an equally thick amount of peanut butter on. There's someone nodding here. Um, an equally thick amount of peanut butter on it. And then it's like, now my day can start. Um, or maybe you're like carb-free at the moment in advance of the holidays. And so like bread is like something that you don't, you don't even consider. Um, but bread in our lives is exceptionally different to what bread would be in the lives of the people who were listening to this. And so when we hear the word bread, it's very different to, the, to what Jesus' hearers, the people hearing and having this conversation with him, would have heard when they heard the word bread. Most of us see bread as an extra, as a, as a snack, something that comes in a basket with the food. In Jesus' day, bread, was the, bread wasn't the side dish. It was the main meal. It was everything. Bread, bread was the staple. It was the essential food. It was um, the thing that every meal was based around. And the majority of the time, it was the only thing they would have in the meal. The only person I know who still exists in this sort of way of viewing bread um, in my life is my um, five-year-old daughter, Grace, who um, will always, no matter what you ask her, no matter how fancy a restaurant you take her to, no matter the, you know, the buffet that might be on offer at a holiday, she always goes, I'd like to have a ham sandwich. And you're just like, you know, you don't want to try anything else. And, you know, she's a, she's a very confident lady and we love her to bits for it. She's like, no, I want a ham sandwich. So she's there at, you know, like posh holiday, just like, you know, with a ham sandwich. And so apart from the ham, I get that's different. Um, she's basically the same as an ancient Near Eastern Israelite because it's just all bread. So, and, and bread would, um, would take up, it's estimated for the people that Jesus was talking to, it would be around 85% 
of their daily income, their annual income, would go on food. And the majority of that would be bread. So it's so vastly different to, to what we would understand and experience because all of their money is going on bread, on feeding their family day to day. So bread is not a quick, cheap, easy, simple side dish or snack. Bread is not just a conduit for our smashed avocado. Bread is what I work for all day. Bread is keeping my family going. Bread is survival. Bread is everything, every day. Bread is my everyday sustenance. And that is the culture, that's the reality that Jesus is speaking into in this conversation. So the crowd has been searching for him for ages since the feeding of the 5,000 and they find him and they start questioning him and Jesus immediately in verse 26 calls out their motives. He's basically saying, you're just coming here because you want more bread. And do you blame them? You know, 85% of their income. It's like someone walking around London, off, you know, just handing out free monthly mortgage payments or cars. You know, we would go back to that person and say, please, may I have another one? It's, you know, what Jesus is calling out is right, but you can also see it from their point of view. And so then we get in verses 27 to 35, we get this amazing back and forward conversation that happens. So Jesus says, don't work for physical food which goes off, which goes bad, work for spiritual food, which lasts forever, which endures into eternal life. And the crowd go, okay, tell us what work we need to do to get that. And Jesus says, the work is to believe in the one that God has sent. And the crowd go, okay, give us a sign so that we can believe. Moses gave them a sign. Um, they've already had a sign. They've already had lots of signs. That's the reason there's such a big crowd, but that, that doesn't matter. So Jesus goes, nope, the bread came from God, not Moses. It's God who still gives the bread from heaven. The crowd go, give us this bread. And finally, Jesus drops the bomb and says, you know, I am the bread. It's all about me. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread. I am everything you need. I am your daily sustenance every day. I am enough. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, will never be thirsty. And I wonder this morning what you are hungry for. What are you craving after? What are you longing for? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's an end to the constant uncertainty that's been going on for the last 18 months with the pandemic. Maybe it's identity. Maybe it's truth. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's belonging. And in the context of those things that you're hungry for, how does it make you feel when you hear these words of scripture that says, Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. And if you come to me and you believe, you will never be hungry and you will never, never be thirsty. I am bread, I'm enough. Just like the manna came down from heaven to feed the Israelites, Jesus is the bread of life, come down from heaven and is enough for us in the everyday. So first thing, I am bread, I'm enough every day. Second thing, I am life. Verse 27 says, do not work for the food that spoils, but, food, but for food that endures to eternal life. So in John's gospel, there's a lot of things going on and it's such an exciting gospel to read, but there are a number of things that John is particularly trying to communicate it, and to communicate to us. The main one is to tell us who Jesus is. He's the son of God come as man. But probably a very close second is life. John wants to tell us about life. And he uses a particular word for life. So in, in the English, we have one word for life. In the Greek, there are many. But there's one in particular that John loves. It's called zoe. And he uses it 36 times. 
And all of his gospel is talking about, firstly, who Jesus is, and secondly, that there is this life, this particular type of life that God is calling, drawing us into through the person and the works of Jesus. And there's another word for life that you can find in in the Greek, and that's bios. And the difference between the two is quite interesting because bios is where we get words like biology and biography. It's about the exact detail of what's going on, who you are, how you're working, the mechanics, the physiology, the, the what, you know, what you're wearing and stuff like that. Whereas, whereas zoe is so all-encompassingly different that scholars find it really difficult to actually define what it is. But they, they, use, they use phrases like the absolute fullness of life, God's life, God's eternal life, which begins now and continues into eternity. The best definition of the two that I found as I've been preparing for this is bios is the detail, zoe is the big picture. Bios is the detail, zoe is the big picture. I um, actually have this hanging on my wall by... Um, And by my study, where I was trying to write this, and I didn't notice this until quite late on in this week. Um, But this was a a photo of when I went on holiday with some friends from med school a long, long time ago um, to near the Isle of Skye in Scotland. And I disappeared off by myself and went went out to a little rocky um, sort of outcrop in the middle of the the water and just, just had a moment with God. And it was lovely because a friend actually took a photo of me with, you know, very helpfully, the sun just in the right place. Um... Instagram wasn't invented then, you know, if only. Wow, I had to print it out and put it on my wall. That's how I shared it. Um, And for me, this explains the difference between bios and zoe. So bios, with my medical mind on, I I can tell you exactly how much blood my heart is pumping around every second through my body. I can tell you exactly why my hairs on my arm would have been standing up on end. I, I can tell you what I was wearing. I can tell you who I was with. I can tell you how we got there and even why we went on the holiday. But I cannot tell you what it felt like to be there in that moment. I cannot tell you the awe and wonder and peace that I felt in that moment that caused me to raise up my arms in worship. That's Zoe. That's something beyond this world, something more than just who we are in ourselves, in our, in our, in our sort of earthly bodies in the detail. These things that we are hungry for, the, the truth, the identity, love, these, these are not detail things. These are not bios things. They're, they're Zoe things. They're big picture things. And yet we so often try to medicate our hunger for these Zoe things with bios things. We so often try to fill that that yearn, those deep yearnings that we have within us with with work, with relationships, with with food, with craving after the approval of others, with alcohol, exercise, loads of other stuff. All things that never will truly bring us satisfaction, always will leave us hungry. Let's not settle for the bios things of life. Do you have a zoe need deep down that you are trying to fill with a bios solution? And what does Jesus say to the crowd in this passage? Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life. What would it look like 
If we stop yearning after the bios things of this life, the money, the, the status, the power, the approval, the relationships, and we truly believed that Jesus is life in all its fullness, because the promise of Jesus is this, the life that he is inviting us into, this Zoe life, this all-encompassing, big-picture life of God is one that can completely satisfy us in a way that nothing on this earth can. I am life in all its fullness that will satisfy you completely. All you need to do is come and believe. So the first thing Jesus says, I am bread. I'm enough every day. Second thing he says, I am life, Zoe life, life in all its fullness. And I think there's something profound when we put these things together, exactly as Jesus did in this statement, I am the bread of life. So he's combining these things together, bread and life, everyday sustenance and the all-encompassing big picture Zoe life of God. It's all about purpose. It's Jesus saying, I am enough for you to experience and to live in the eternal life of God in the everyday. That is what he is saying when he says, I am the bread of life. And the whole narrative arc of this passage is that thousands of people um, noticed and appreciated the benefits of a miracle. But they were so focused on the benefits of the miracle that they, they were unable to see that that miracle in itself was pointing towards an even greater miracle, that God is present with them right now. And that same God who was present with them right now is present with us right now and goes with us into anything that we do, into anywhere that we are, not just on Sundays, Mondays and the rest of the week, whatever we do, God's presence is with us. That, that crowd were focusing on the provision not the provider, focusing on the material, not the miracle, on the, on the stuff and not the source. They were focusing on the bios and not the zoe. And it's so easy to do this. I do this all the time. One of the times that I really, really struggled with this sort of way of understanding who God is and how he works, um, it was about six years ago, and there's a real, a real sense and for both me and my wife, that God was calling me to something. I was working as an anaesthetic and intensive care doctor at the time, and there was just this sense that, um, that, that God wanted to do something. And so, you know, we prayed a lot, and we talked to a lot of friends, and it was, but we asked, ultimately, all the questions that the crowd are asking Jesus. We made all the same statements, which is, just give us a sign. Tell us what works we need to do. Just give me the bread. And I had this moment it's beautiful, the sort of symmetry in it all, but it's actually at the leadership conference in 2015. When someone, someone talked, and I largely can't remember most of the talk, but he finished the talk, and, and just something that he said just spoke to my soul. And it didn't tell me exactly what I was supposed to do or exactly who I was supposed to be or where I was supposed to go or how I was supposed to do it. But I just knew in that moment exactly what my purpose was. My purpose was Proximity. My purpose was to be near Jesus. And in being near Jesus, I would work all the rest of the stuff out or God would work all the rest of the stuff out through me. And it sounds so holy, me saying that, and I fail regularly and I go back to these statements that um, the crowd say, you know, God just show me, God just make it clear, God just tell me exactly what to do. But I constantly get drawn back to that moment of knowing profoundly that my purpose was in proximity. It was a great lesson 
to learn from God. And it's the same lesson that he is teaching the crowd here. I've come not primarily to bring you bread. I have come to be the bread. I've come to be the bread that breaks for you on the cross to make a way. I am the bread. So nothing physically changed in my life after that encounter at the leadership conference. But everything changed. Nothing changed, but everything changed. My heart was completely different. I went back to the same job. But I knew that God was challenging me to believe that he was present in the silence, that he was active in the uncertainty, and that he had a purpose in the everyday, even if I couldn't see it in that moment. Challenging me to stop waiting for God to prove to me that he is enough, and just to trust that he is enough. It's in daily chasing after Jesus that we find our purpose. Our purpose is in proximity. And so we return to verse 67 that we met at the start. That one that bookends the chapter when it's just those 12 who are left and Jesus says, do you guys want to go as well? And there's no, what works do we need to do? There's no, just give us a sign. There's no, give us some bread. Simon Peter says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And this is the offer of John 6, to come and believe that God is present and working and has a purpose in every bit of our lives, in our work, in our school, in our friendship groups, even in in, in the people that we interact with and the things that we put on our social media, God is present in those places, not just on Sundays, every day. Our calling is to believe. Our calling at the, the highest purpose that we have in life is to believe that this life, this big picture, all encompassing Zoe life of God is available, not through anything we have done, but through everything that God has done. It's available for us in every moment, in every situation, in every encounter. In Jesus' name, amen.